The South African Jewish Board of Deputies is the organization that engages with the South African government on behalf of the Jewish community. Join Sharice Zephard for the next hour to find out what the SAJBD has been up to. 101.9 High FM. Alan Freeman is the founder and director of Freeman House Recovery, a newly established high-end rehabilitation center for men. After being in the hospitality industry, he wanted to be part of the solution of abuse. Nikki Muniz is the clinical director. She brings with her a decade of experience as a counselor at top rehab centers, as well as her own personal experience with addictions. Together with a team of professionals, they are committed to providing individual care to ensure recovery from a broad range of addictions. I'm delighted to have them as my guests now to tell me more. Nikki and Alan, welcome and thanks so much for joining me. Thank Thank you for for having us. The addictions that you treat include alcohol, drug, pornography, prescription medication, gambling, etc., etc., etc. You have quite a wide risk. And I think the first thing I'd like to understand from you is, is an addiction an addiction an addiction no matter what? Or are certain addictions worse and are all of them curable? It's a difficult one to answer because addiction is addiction in the sense that um, the basis for an addiction to be qualified as such is that um, it's a behavior that persists in spite of the negative consequences attached to it. So um, at face value, um, the initial action, whether it is eating or shopping or sex or cocaine, um, initially starts out as something relatively innocent and perhaps experimentation, um, and then it progresses into having negative consequences. But at the same time, the initial start of the behavior is that it creates relief from some type of stressful situation. And uh, when we take away that behavior, we try to minimize or limit it, the stressful situation it was creating relief from still exists, And hence, there's this kind of toxic negative cycle where the behavior then continues. Um, In terms of which addictions are more difficult to treat, you know, in terms of drugs and alcohol, for example, I can, or even gambling, I can teach you complete abstinence. Um, You know, then we don't need it in our life in order to exist. But something like food or sex, uh, these are things that we need in our daily existence in order to be able to live and, uh, you know, be a fully functional human being. Um, and so that becomes somewhat more challenging. And the way that I describe it to our clients is that, you know, when it comes to something like an eating disorder, you know, I have to take my dragon out for a walk three times a day, you know, and <laughs> that, of course, comes with with a certain set of challenges and perhaps you know, where there's some type of abstinence program, we can teach almost like a straight line with a few bumps along the way. And with an eating disorder, it's kind of less straight line and more like a wave that we need to learn to ride. Some addictions, though, are more uh, dangerous, possibly. Correct. Like, um, you know, I'm thinking Coke versus... What I'm going to tell you might shock you. So the only two withdrawals that you can die from is alcohol and prescription medication, benzodiazepines, tranquilizers. Um, those ones we take very seriously and need to be medically supervised. And if the doctor is concerned at all, we transfer to a hospital because we're a rehabilitation center. We are not a hospital. Um, and we can manage as long as the person's not uh, in immediate physical danger. Uh, other withdrawals like from heroin or cocaine or crystal meth, there is a physical reaction 
and it doesn't feel nice for the client, but you're not going to die from it. Um, so it kind of it's counterintuitive that the two things that are legal, alcohol and prescription meds, are actually the most dangerous. It is absolutely fascinating, but it's also you 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 give hope in that anything it doesn't matter what it is, if it's meths or nyope or whatever it is, there's hope. There's always hope. Always, while the person is still breathing, there is hope. Because <laughs> often you hear it's like, oh, once they're on drugs, that's it. You know, there's there is no hope. Um, and, and Nikki, maybe if I can just carry on with that train of thought, one of the things that I understand is that it's up to the individual to seek that help. And often they have to reach rock bottom. Does everybody reach a rock bottom that they understand that they need the help? And then the following question to that is a family member sees somebody is struggling and knows that person needs help. How do they help that person to realize that that person needs help? all misconceptions and fallacies around addiction. So in reality, there's no such thing as, as rock bottom. We talk about rock bottom always has a basement. Um, and so it can always get worse. And the truth about successful treatment is that the earlier the intervention, the more likely the success. So we don't want to wait for a person to have lost everything before we intervene because then they've got nothing to kind of live for. If someone's still got the family and the job and the life, it's so much easier for them to then start realizing they've got something besides their addiction that's actually creating a life for them. Um, and the other element is that when someone is in active addiction, the front part of their brain, which is known as the business center in control of logical and rational thinking, shuts down and gets like we press the override button in order to continue acting out in a behavior that is obviously destructive. And so we're asking that person who is completely irrational to make a rational decision that's good for themselves. And so that's, it just doesn't make any sense. And so most times the family does need to intervene. We don't just wait for that person to ask for help. Um, and, and also family is a big part of the problem and a big part of the solution. And when I say part of the problem is that often we, we think that we're loving the person by stopping them from experiencing the massive consequences from their addiction. When in actual fact, what we're doing is that we're prolonging their addiction because they don't realize the severity because we keep protecting them. So we need to work with the families, which is why we at Freeman House offer a free family support group, even for non-clients here, so that we can educate families and support them to making really difficult decisions. Because um, often it's the family that needs to kind of start, uh, you know, realizing the severity of the problem before the addict actually does. Wow. I mean, it, it sounds like a lot of education needs to go on. And it seems like at, at some level, we all know so much about it. And we also understand so little, really. And really, the more I'm talking to you, the more hope I have, because I re realize if we empower the family, we can empower the person. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So um, let's bring Ellen in here. Ellen, you started the center. Um, you've been on the other side of um, the industry, the, the, what do you call it? The, is it the entertainment um, Well, I was in the hospitality, hospitality nightclub and bar industry for 26 years. Um, I'm a recovering alcoholic myself. Um, I've been 14 months clean. I went to a rehab in Plattenberg Bay. I'm not going to give you any names. In February last year, I came out of the rehab and I went straight into lockdown. I started thinking to myself, what can I do to make a difference? What can I do to help? And what would I do differently to the experience that I had at the rehab I went to? 
I decided, you know, the, the, on my first couple of days in the rehab, one of the staff members made a derogatory comment to me about being Jewish. Um, I was more offended, but not, I didn't take it to heart, but I thought to myself, there's nothing really in South Africa that, oper- that offers a space for Jewish men, um, and please God, see Jewish women as well. Um, so I decided to make Freeman House a kosher facility, not a Jewish facility. So we're open to all, you know, classes, creeds, religions, etc. But it's Jewish friendly and it's film friendly. Um, I decided also to add an element of comfort, creature comforts that weren't off where I was. So we've got brand new geezers. So the guys have a hot shower. We've got comfortable beds. We've got a great coffee machine. We've got a good gym. There's a sauna and a swimming pool. A couple of extras, you know, that, uh, I think will help the guys through their, through their recovery process. Not sure where I'm going with this train of thought. <laughs> Yeah, you mentioned you were recovering addiction as well. And I just yes. wonder, do you, do both of you feel that you have to have been there to help other people? In my experience, I think you need the empathy that comes with having suffered yourself and actually knowing I'm not a counselor or a psychologist or any of the above, but I feel just in my experience, we've been open since February, I mean, since Jan, but the guys that I interact with and the guys that I talk to, find it a lot more comforting to know that they're dealing with somebody who's dealing or has dealt with what they're dealing with. From that aspect, definitely it helps to have been or be an addict as well. But I think from the therapy side, and Nikki can jump in here, you definitely need people with the education, the tools and the, the qualifications to, to deal with stuff in the, in the, in the private, in the one-on-one therapy and in the group therapy room. Sure. So I'd love to add to that. So um, I always explain addiction is like as if your house is on fire and you're standing outside and watching all your valuables burn and you want to run inside and salvage what you can. But if you don't put the fire out, you're going to burn along with everything else. And so in terms of the addiction treatment, it does help to have people in recovery who've lived it, who've experienced it, because we understand that fire and how it's going to obliterate everything in its path. Um, but we also understand that addiction is a trauma and there's so many other elements attached to it um, in terms of how how did we get to this point? Why did I need to rely on something to relieve the pain that I was experiencing? And so the professionals that we work with in this industry um, are not only like experts in their field, but they're also open-minded and willing to work with those of us that are in recovery because some of the work that we do in terms of putting out the addiction power fire actually goes against some of the stuff they've learned at university and so obviously they need to be open to perhaps what they've learned from a book versus what works in reality and experiential is sometimes different and I think together with all of our knowledge all of our experience all of our wisdom we are able to tackle each and every element of a person's life once we've put that that fire out Um, and of course also incorporating family healing as well which is also really, really important in order for the, our client to leave here feeling supported in every element of their life, not just, you know, their addiction and, and now it's done. And I think what Alan was saying in terms of what you're offering is also providing some dignity. Perhaps mm-hmm. what you were feeling in your previous home was a lack of dignity that you want to provide people that they're not feeling that they're going to a center 
but that they're going to almost, uh, it looks like a, a boutique spa. I'm <laughs> just looking at your pictures. You have yoga, <laughs> from a guy, you have walks, you're beautifully situated. Uh, it, it looked pretty upmarket. So I, I guess oh. there's an element of dignity, um, Alan. Sorry, our ethos here is that they're addicts, not criminals. The guys that come in are addicts, not criminals. And uh, we've all been there and we want to treat them with dignity, like you say, and like human beings and make them feel as comfortable and at home and as loved as possible. And then the unraveling of that onion can take place. You know, the, I want to add to that too. Having worked in facilities where the focus has always been on the treatment program itself as opposed to kind of the, the setting and the arrangement, which has been great. I mean, I've worked in places where the treatment programs itself have been amazing. But often we land up having to do damage control with the client because their beds break or the food is bad or, you know, and it just wastes time and energy on both fronts. Um, instead of the client being able to do the work they came to treatment to do. And so I think that, I mean, Alan, what he's put together here is like none of us ever want to go home. It's so beautiful. Um, and the peace that the second you drive through the gate, I can't even begin to explain it to you. Um, it just creates the perfect setting in order for the client to feel safe enough to take off, like Alan said, each layer of the onion and to do the work they actually came in to do instead of complaining about their bed or the food. Is there a stigma? Are you also trying to destigmatize addiction? And to what extent are there stigmas around it that um, prevent people receiving help? I think in the Jewish community, there's a stigma attached to addiction. And I think it needs to be addressed. And I need it. I think that's what we're trying to do here as well. We need to kind of destigmatize it and realize that it can affect anyone and does affect most families, you know, in, in our communities. Like Nikki was saying earlier, whether it's shopping, sex, pornography, or gambling, or alcohol prescription meds, it's 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 prevalent in our community and needs to be addressed and and dealt with. And I think, especially now coming out of um, you know the lockdown that we've been in, even people that aren't necessarily addicts are relying more heavily on some destructive coping mechanisms like drinking more or even like being on social media too much or anything like that in order to cope with feelings that they find difficult to process or to to sit with themselves. And I think that we provide the, the platform where whether you are really an identified and, and uh, you know, plain and simple addict or if you're just someone who is struggling with your ability to cope with life effectively, we can we can be able to assist on either front. I think the stigma also is said that most people, if you ask them the question, what do you think of an alcoholic or a, you know, they think of the hobo or the bum, you know, living in the gutter and you think about uh, what is a sex addict and you think about some pervert, you know, preying on young people outside schools, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, these, these addictions are rife and they exist in most well, not most, we don't want to say most, but they exist in quite a lot of families and they're not addressed. Secrets. Yeah, there's a lot of secrets out there. So, you know, you can have the the father who's an alcoholic, but he's drinking behind his wife's back and he's, she's been, the family sometimes enable and they and they, they themselves don't want to accept it. So we do, we, we want, we need to destigmatize the the word addiction.
Cindy and Ellen, you're doing an amazing job and offering a, a fantastic service that is needed within our community and broader. If anybody would like to contact you, either because they themselves are suffering or because they have a family member and they need help with helping that person, what do you recommend? How do we be in touch with you and what's the best thing? Oh, there's numerous ways to get hold of us. So um, we have on our Facebook page, we've got Instant Messenger. Uh, so it's Freeman House Recovery. Um, and, you know, we are on the ball. There's always someone who's there to respond. Um, also on our website, we obviously have uh, an ability to, to contact us either via email or even to send us a message. And then my cell phone number is uh, 083-600-8255. And Ellen? <laughs> my number is 083-267-0239. And for any information, just contact info at freemanhouserecovery.com. I'll say it again. Info at freemanhouserecovery.com. I also want to just, before we end, just say that we're also in the process of uh, setting up an app, um, which will be downloadable from uh, Google Play or the App Store, um, which will allow access to information and contact with, with any of our counselors if necessary, even to book into treatment via the app, so that people can take action immediately, you know, as the crisis arises, which is obviously not usually within working hours. It can happen any time, day or night. And so we want to be there to be able to cater for that support. Nikki and Alan, thank you so much for joining me and keep up the incredible work that you're doing. Thank, thank you, you so much for having us. That was Alan Freeman, the founder and director of Freeman House Recovery and Nikki Munitz, the clinical director.